Welcome to session seven of Figure That Game Out. Friends, the hidden help you need. You can see there in the notes that the friend we are will also be the friendships we build. When I reflect on my life and I look back at the opportunities I've had, the things that have worked out, it's been over and over because of the friendships that I've built, sustained, stepped into in a deeper way. In fact, just reflect on your life and the things that you've had come your way as a result of opportunities. It's cliche, but true. It's not what you know, it's who you know. It's relationships. The circumstances of your life could be challenging, but the relationships are good and you feel like life is good. Circumstances could be great, but relationships could be bad and you feel like life is bad. It's the currency of joy. Uh, it's why some of the most ancient wisdom in the world, ancient poems, have said over and over, it is the joy of life to be able to enjoy the relationships and the depth that we can experience in those. Now, for me, I, this isn't a, a proving comment or a humble brag. I have lots of great friends. I feel very rich in friendship. I also know that most people, on average, are very lonely. Um, you, you know, we know this from the coaching that we do, whether groups or one-on-one, -on -one, as we walk people through transformative decisions in their relationships, how oftentimes they don't have somebody that they can say anything, be anything with in a way that they feel safe. So what we want to do is walk through in this lesson four pieces, four actions that are going to help you be the friend that long-term sustains, draws in, and builds the kind of friendships that you want. So number one, I want to be visionary and validating. I want to be visionary and validating. Some of you may have heard it this way. I want to be full of grace and truth. One of the defining moments in my life when I was starting to just rework everything about understanding who I am, everything that Sight Shift was birthed through, this is an OG story. Some of you may know it, 2008. Uh, I had not understood about what was happening in the moment, that it's not about the pain, that it's not about the struggle or the fight. It's about identity. And in front of my children, not over something with my children, it was an exchange with my wife, but it was a very, very humbling, breaking moment for me. I punched a door. And as I punched that door, I felt completely embarrassed, broken, and shameful. I didn't understand how to separate who I was from what I did at that time. I didn't understand any of the stuff that we know we talk about so deeply in Sight Shift. I go outside, I'm on the deck, I'm crying, my doorbell rings, I'd come back in and somehow I'd heard it. I went to the door and the thing about our, our setting of our house at that time, our backyard backed up against to another person's house and I had gotten to know this guy just as I had been building a playground for the kids. He had come over and started helping me. Well, we developed this really deep friendship. We'd sit around the fire pit on Saturdays and cook brats and drink beer and just hang out and laugh and watch the kids play. He sees me when I come to the door. I'm, I'm literally bawling. This is the guy whose truck I ended up borrowing for over a year. And I tell him what happened. And he said, well, did you punch through it? <laughs> and in that one moment, he deflected the anxiety and the tension and the shame with just one brilliant statement. And over and over and over, I can point to things that friends have said to encourage me, to comfort me, to challenge me, to get me a into a completely different space or perspective. And so when you're in a visionary friendship, you experience the chemistry of one plus one equals 20. 
I'm able to be me, they're able to be them, and together the combo of that is something that is special. That's something that is empowering and helpful. And what happens for so many people is they get stuck in these holding patterns of relationships. Now, you've heard this. It's cliche, but true. You become like the five people you spend the most time with. Well, some people could hear that in a gross way and go, okay, I got to fire my friends. <laughs> and that's terrible. You live a changed life. You live a visionary life. And over time, you will see most of your friendships have that determining factor to them. They are growth-oriented like I am. I remember when I was in college, I was 20 years old, junior. My roommate had a real operator's mind. I didn't know how to put it into words at that time, but I just knew I had the ability to, to have a vision. He had the ability to execute. No kidding, 20 years old, junior in college, doing all the shenanigans that you do at those ages. But I still remember talking to him going, man, when you leave college, do this, work on this, build this skill, and we can go you know, we had all these visions. We can go do all this stuff together and we'll help each other. You know, even then I was looking at the trajectory of our lives. And so wherever you find yourself with this, you want to be in the kind of relationships that some ancient terms used like covenant. What I have is yours. I'm pledging myself to you. I'm committed to you. Commitment follows passion. And when I'm committed to a friendship or a relationship, I don't wait for the passion to tell me what to do. The commitment is there and the passion follows. And over time, if that relationship needs to phase out, it more often than not takes care of itself. Sometimes you have to have boundaries. Sometimes you have to establish things. Sometimes you might have to leave an organization and let that team move on without you. I've had that happen before too, where I lose half the favorites in my phone over one decision. It's sad. It's tough. It's not easy. I could still be friends with them. But ultimately, I need to let them move on for the health of the organization and the person that's leading them now. Second is the validating piece of this. So I'm visionary and validating. I want to affirm their humanity and their struggle. Um, we all are struggling to be human. We all have insecurities. We all have these things in us, as you guys know, with Sideshift, of stuff that's happening at the depth of who we are. Here's a way that I think about the validating part. When I'm with people, I try to pay attention to, at, at a deep level, what we already teach, their identity fears. How are they talking? How are they wording things in a way that I could comfort and encourage and, and help them become even more than they imagined they could become? That's the definition oftentimes of leadership, taking people somewhere they didn't know they could go. But I want to give you another way to think about it too. I'm also interacting with them and watching for this. What's the least known part about who they are? What's the least celebrated part of who they are? What's the biggest battle they're fight, fight, uh, fighting or facing, if I could say that, that no one else knows, that, that maybe is a hidden part of the struggle of what it means to be them? I'm looking for that because I know how powerful it's been in my life when people see that, and I want to see that in them. And so here's the thing. You know already from going through Figure That Shift Out that as you call yourself out, you find freedom. Oh my God, I can say my identity out fear my identity fear out loud and I don't die. It's so amazing. Yes, absolutely. But here's what happens at this level. If I can say out loud, hey, I'm really feeling insecure. I'm trying to convince everybody, keep them bought in. I want them to think my performance is awesome because my identity fear worthy goes performance. And then someone can say to me, true story, a few weeks ago, I had to confess a lie I told to a friend and I was proving. And what he said back to me, and I, and I told him, I said, maybe you don't want to be in this engagement anymore because I've broken trust. 
And he said, this makes me trust you even more. You think performance is the achievements. I see one of your greatest performance moments ever, as you didn't hide from this, but told me about it. So I say it out loud. The fear starts to get healed in me, but then I hear his words back to me and it only deepens it. So visionary and validating. Number two, I want to watch out for the big three. I want to watch out for the big three. Any conflict you have in the relationships and friendships that you value all have the opportunity to surface better skills in you. Yes, we know about conflict at the root of it is identity. Yes, we know we can bring the meta roles for an advanced application. But I'm teaching you something here to watch out for. Like if I need to remind my wife of something and I start to get irritated that I'm reminding her of that, I can pause and go, how can the irritation become fascination? Oh, this is growing out in me a better ability to cast vision. When I'm the kind of person that can cast vision wherever people are, wherever they find themselves, then what I can do in that moment is upgrade my skills. So the second principle here that's so huge is I want to watch out for the big three. Well, what are the big three? Underneath that number two is, are we moving in a similar direction? Are we moving in a similar direction? This is where I'm looking at the trajectory of where we're headed. I want to see if from a visionary standpoint, we are matched up. Are, it doesn't mean we're at the same stage of growth, but are we seeking to become who we are? Are we hiding? Are we proving? Are we leaning into those moments? I was in college and I had made a decision for some how I was going to structure my rest of my college experience and the major I'd picked. And some of you know this story, some of you may not. It'll take too much narrative, so I'm just going to give you the short of it. And that was that I had, you know, just really said to my friends, this is how I want to use my life. And, and it was in a public leadership role that would be contributing to the betterment of society, we could say. I had a roommate that told me this. Chris, I have a hard time believing you're going to be able to do what you say with your life when you use your mouth the way you do. Uh, let's just say that I had a lot of fun rapping and making up freestyle raps that may or may not have gone into colorful territories. Uh, I don't do as much the colorful ter territories in the kitchen now with the family when we're fixing dinner, but I may or may not annoy my kids when I break out into it. All that to say, it hit me. And, and it was a shift moment for me. I remember as a public speaker when I had started out, I was just boring. And then I got too serious and intense. And I asked a friend what he thought about it. And he was like, you basically just screamed and yelled with intensity about something that you wanted us all to care about. And I was like, oh, it was that good, huh? Over and over and over. Are we moving in a similar direction? Next question. Are we connected even if we disagree? Are we connected even if we disagree? I can be connected in deep relationships with others even if we have disagreements. Very few things are, are, are black and white. So much of life is gray. Um, I don't remember what author I read this from, but here's the way I love to frame it. And, and he gave a spectrum on this. On one end is blind trust. On the other end is mistrust. The middle tension we want to live in is perceptive trust. Perceptive trust. In other words, I, I want to check things out, but I want to give you uh, the benefit of the doubt in regarding motive. I don't want to judge your motive. I can judge the actions, but let's talk about it. I want to be open about it. Are we connected even if we disagree? How much do we need this right now in society? Do we not vacillate between two extremes continually, even in the biggest ways we group ourselves between blind trust and mistrust? 
And all of this fighting and all this raging is never going to teach us how to grow, how to develop. Last question, are we upgrading how we relate? Are we upgrading how we relate? Part of the upgrading happens naturally. You get the inside jokes. Part of the upgrading is you, you learn shorthand. Hey, when I ask you about this, you say this, and it makes me feel this. What if next time when I ask you this, you didn't feel like you had to respond defensively? I'm telling you that it is an amazing thing in close friendships, how you can learn amazing leadership skills just by communicating from this standpoint of openness. These are the three big things that will make up the culture of healthy friendships for you. The vision of who you're becoming, the non-forced unity that we can be connected even if we disagree, and then what it means to continually to upgrade and improve. Third, third action, I want to go first at vulnerability. I want to go first at vulnerability. This counteracts one of the greatest inhibitors of deep friendships, which is self-reliance. And if you want to know the quickest way to be vulnerable in a very helpful way, not vulnerability where you're puking on someone else just so you can feel better, you want to, you want to be able to say this, I'm embarrassed by this, or I wish this wasn't true about me, but I'm concerned if we're not successful enough as an organization, I'm going to lose you. I'm concerned that if blank, blank is going to happen. That is a template that you can use over and over and over to coach yourself and to guide the friendship into a closer vulnerability. We know at the core of who we are, as we do this deep work of sight shift, that there are things that we wish weren't true about who we are. And as we accept those and lean into those, and then the moment flips, then we expand into that flow. That relationship deepens. We grow more. So I want to be willing to go first at vulnerability. They don't have to match it, but they can. You'll never become the fullness of who you can become as a person without vulnerable relationships that are headed in a similar healthy direction of shared values. Over and over and over again, I've seen it to be true. Somebody can dedicate themselves to be as good as they can be on their own, but if they don't learn the moving in and out of the vulnerability of relationships, they'll always be held back. Question or statement four, excuse me, statement four, I want to stay synced up. I want to stay synced up with them, S-Y-N-C-E-D. And the easiest way that I can do that is I have a template that I use called Winning, Losing, Stuck, Inspired. And I want in my friendships to not, it's fun to just talk about the weather. It's fun to talk about whatever, the little conversations you're having. But I want to know where they're winning, where they're losing, where they're stuck, where they're inspired. And I want, to, I want them to know that about me. Now, does that mean every time that every time we talk, we have to run through it in a template and it's for, no. Are there times that I connect with people and run through that template regularly and it's aided the deepening of a friendship over years? Yeah. You, you get the feel of this as you do it more and more. But if I've got a regular calendar meeting where I'm hanging out and catching up with a friend, I'm going to ask those questions. Maybe not, like I said, through that rote for part process, but in some way we're coming back around those. If I do walk through it in a way that it's structured, I'm not going to apologize for it. It's a beautiful way that we can stay synced up. 
change is happening and it's dynamic and it's continual. Now, it's important that I want you to notice that I worded all four of these this way. I want, I want, I want. Isn't that weird? We're talking about friendships and I'm using the I word and it's about what I want because this goes back to what we said at the beginning. What I want in my friendships and who I am in those friendships shapes the friendships that I have. And what a lot of people aren't doing is they're missing the opportunity through them living these four wants to actually train their friends how to be even better friends. We're continually training each other by how we interact. Don't think training in any kind of power dynamic. Think training as we just serve each other. I think of a song that means a ton to me these days. Uh, some of you may know it. I love the Manchester Orchestra remake, but no hard feelings. I don't want to have any hard feelings when I die. And I've had friends move in and out of different rhythms of my life, and I've had some stay around for a long time. I've changed, they've changed, we all change. No matter what happens as I live these four, it helps me stay in a place, even if they move on or I move on, to have no hard feelings when I die. Friends truly are the hidden help we need.